0: Selling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's time to get all the info you need on the Vanderbilt Commodores. This is the Anchor Down Podcast with Vanderbilt reporter Max Hurd. that's a good way of putting it, Max. On Nashville's best sports talk. ESPN.
1: 1025,
0: the game. the game
1: Nashville.
2: It's time to Anchor Down And listen up to the Anchor Down podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. I'm your host, Max Herz, and let me tell you, out of nowhere, back from the dead, there is life in Vanderbilt football once again on this Monday, October the 21st. From the lowest of the low after losing to UNLV at home two Saturdays ago, Vanderbilt football comes back as a totally new version of itself, and defeats number 22 Missouri by the final score of 21-14 on Saturday at Vanderbilt Stadium. Not only has Vanderbilt football dug itself out of the valley that it was in after falling very unexpectedly to UNLV, putting Derek Mason's job in the state of every single aspect of the program in question, they come back, Get a massive win, Derek Mason's third win in six seasons over a ranked opponent. And perhaps just as importantly, the players seem back into it. There's energy. There's fun. There's a heartbeat. And there is life in Vanderbilt football. After the UNLV loss, who would have thought that just a week later...
0: Derek Mason would be saying this. Everybody thinks they want this job. Everybody thinks they want this job. But I can tell you for sure that I'm one of maybe maybe a few men in this country that's built for this job the way it sits today. Man, I love this team. I love Vanderbilt. I'm a Commodore through and through. But you can can question me about decision-making, man, but don't question me about being a Commodore.
2: Wow. That was Derek Mason unprompted. He said it in in pretty much the same words in the TV interview right after the win. Then wanted to say it again at the end of the press conference in front of the assembled media at Vanderbilt Stadium Saturday after Vanderbilt football's 21-14 win over Missouri here on the Anchor Down podcast. What a total reversal of fate. From the lowest to the low to... About as fun as it's gotten if you take out the Tennessee wins during Derek Mason's tenure as the Vanderbilt football coach. There was life on the sideline. There was life on the team. There was life in the quarterback as Mo Hassan took over as the starter. The sideline was buzzing the entire game. And Vandy had just lost that. There was no life in the program. But it was back. Here's Derek Mason on those players having life again. I
0: don't know what you're going to write about our sideline today, but hopefully what you say, man, is that it was fun. It looked energetic. Guys were having a good time. It was a party over on West End. That's, that's, that's what it should look like. That's what it felt like. man, man. I mean, I, and I was right in the middle of it, having a good time with them. So that's it.
2: It was different. The life was back in Vanderbilt football. And it may have just been a quarterback change that made it happen.
0: Here's what I tell you if you work hard enough in practice, okay, man, man, if you can muster that energy in practice, games are just fun. That's what it looked like for our guys today. Our guys were just having fun. From the beginning, it was fun. Even when, even when they scored a touchdown, it was still fun. You know, people, people, you know, maybe try to poke holes, but you know what, for young men, 18 to 22, it's still, it's, it's still a fun game. We just had to take them there. And, 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 Mo, and Mo really provided that spark this week. So that's where we sit. You know, that's what transpired. And the end result, meant is a Commodore win.
2: Vanderbilt's head coach and their players seem to be in agreement that the two things that changed this week Mo Hassan became the quarterback of the Vanderbilt football team, and the defense finally trusted each other. We heard both of those things over and over and over again in the post-game interviews and press conference from Derek Mason and his players. So Vanderbilt unexpectedly goes to their third quarterback this week. Seventh game of the season. Neal and Wallace hadn't worked. It was time for a change. Seemed like Mo Hassan and his upbeat style and his leadership, which we've heard now, There was not leadership coming from Riley Neal or Deuce Wallace. That was what changed this game for the Vanderbilt offense. Both X's and O's wise, and on the rah-rah front, here's Vanderbilt running back Keyshawn Vaughn, who was a big part of this game for the Commodores, with a couple of touchdowns and 176 all-purpose yards. Here's what Vaughn had to say about how Mo Hassan changed the game for the Vanderbilt offense.
0: Uh, I feel like uh Mo had more like I wouldn't say more, but he kinda controlled the the huddle. Uh, he came in with energy. Every every time he came in was nothing but good energy. So that to do throughout the offense. And when you have that, all you can do is keep going.
2: And it's clear that Vanderbilt did not have that energy in past games. Well, the sad thing about all this is that Mo Hassan was injured on an extremely dirty targeting play. Tyree Gillespie was ejected on a play in the third quarter where Mo Hassan slid feet first to give himself up and was hit helmet to helmet by the Mizzou safety. The first play of the drive, Vanderbilt leading 14-7 with under three minutes to go in the third quarter. Hassan did not play in the game again, went into the medical tent, then went to the locker room. He did come back out. He was set free quickly by the medical staff to come out with his team for a brief moment when the game was over and then was ushered not to the locker room but back across the street to McGugan Center, as is probably dictated by concussion protocol. But Vanderbilt does have the bye next week before coming back out of it to visit South Carolina on Saturday, November the 2nd. Derrick Mason implied in the postgame press conference that, assuming he is cleared, Over those next two weeks, Mo Hassan would start that game for Vanderbilt. He's become Vanderbilt's starter. Hassan threw just 11 passes in the game, 7 for 11, got 120 passing yards out of those. Carried the ball nine times for 34 yards. Ran a little bit of RPO, Vanderbilt did. And it worked with Hassan at quarterback. There was a confident, poised leader who knew what he was capable of and did some things to keep the defense honest. Opened some holes up for Keyshawn Vaughn in the running game because of how well the quarterback run worked on those zone reads. After Hassan came out of the game injured, Riley Neal entered. First play, interception. Neal toned it down from there. Actually had to miss a play because of injury when Deuce Wallace came in right at the end of the third quarter. So three quarterbacks played for Vandy in a matter of just a couple drives there. Neil came back in, looked like he was getting his hand or arm looked at after getting hit on a long pass downfield. He returned to throw the game-winning touchdown to Cam Johnson. Johnson was only targeted once in the game. His playing time has still been mysteriously down. Perhaps he's hurt, but when he's been in, he's been impactful. Looked healthy, strong, and top of the line on the 21-yard game-winning touchdown that he caught from Riley Neal with just under nine minutes to go in the game to break a 14-14 tie and put Vanderbilt ahead for good 21-14 as we break down the Commodores' win on Saturday over Missouri here on the Anchor Down podcast. Cam Johnson spoke after the game and weighed in with his point of view on what changed to take Vanderbilt from losing to UNLV to beating a top 25 SEC opponent and suddenly Reversing not just their fortunes, but presumably the path for the rest of this season. Here's Vanderbilt Redshirt freshman wide receiver Cam Johnson from Brentwood Academy after his game-winning score against the Tigers.
3: I think it was just, we were just sort of telling each other we got to wake up and we got to realize that, I mean, we play in SEC two and we got to come out and bring that passion and energy every week. And sort of just reiterating what Coach Mason said, I mean, we felt like we have the players to be a good team and we know we do. We just felt like somebody was trying to overstep their boundaries sort of, and we just all sort of talked about having trust in each other and once we got that that we'd be able to take the next step forward and I think that we really focused on that this week and it sort of showed today whenever we were on the field.
2: I don't think it would have been too big of a leap after the UNLV loss which dropped Vanderbilt football to 1-5 and five last Saturday to say that it was obvious that These players did not trust each other. This team was disjointed. They were missing any tiny smidgen of competitive fire. So I appreciate Cam Johnson's answer there, talking about how it could possibly come back so quickly. This team needed to convince itself that it could compete. And apparently. A single week was all that it took for that belief to return, and oh my days, this team is in such a different place mentally. A total 180 going into the bye week than what I would have expected because of this big win. So you heard the offensive side from Cam Johnson, who caught the game-winning touchdown. A big interception headlined a stellar defensive day for Vanderbilt. It was the first collegiate interception for cornerback Allen George. Came in the end zone after a roughing the kicker, or running into the kicker, technically, penalty. Gave Missouri a first down after a missed field goal. Vanderbilt would have gotten the ball back, leading 14 7. Instead, Missouri had an opportunity to tie the game once again in the red zone. George came up with the interception on the second and goal play from the nine yard line. And he spoke after the game on. The changes from the defensive point of view.
3: I think I can just go back uh, to the trust, really, Uh, because we we knew that we had the the same talent that every other team in the the conference does, Um, but we weren't believing in ourselves and we weren't believing in the people who were on the field with us. Uh, So I think that mainly today, people kind of saw us change a little
0: twitch and us change about uh, just how much we trust somebody. We were flying around, just making plays. So. Has, it, has that sort of been some people trying to do too much in the past? Is that what's? Yeah,
3: uh, that's that's mainly what, what's been happening in the past. It's people, people were trying to be Superman. People trying to be super, like like just do your job and like each time i was talking about the ball in the place and make a play when it comes to you.
2: You saw a little twitch change in us, and some guys on the defense were trying to do too much. It became a lot more simple. Defensive coordinator Jason Tarver moved from the field to the press box. Derek Mason said that Tarver called his best game at Vanderbilt by far, and the players executed as well as they had. Of course, this season, but going back to last season, too, Tarver's first. It's just amazing how quickly all of it came together. But both Alan George and Cam Johnson, very frank on what happened. This team just needed to convince itself that it could compete in the SEC, and they have the players to do it. The group was just underperforming. Well, what does it mean? I think Keyshawn Vaughn, the premier lead dog on this team, said it well. We just
3: started a new season. We um, had six games left. Came out and won our first game of the second half
0: of the season. So that's how we put everything behind us. We couldn't do nothing about the past six games we just played. All we could do was something about was today, and we got the win.
2: All of a sudden, the Vanderbilt football team is in the most positive healthy, just winning mentality headspace that they could possibly be in. I mean, what a total turnaround. A week ago today, folks were saying Derek Mason doesn't even want to coach this team. He's trying to get himself canned. And then today, he's out here saying this is his job. This is the only job he wants. And just as importantly, he's the only man For this job. If we remember one thing from this big Vanderbilt win. It's going to be. This closing monologue from Derek Mason. Which I'll play for you one more time. You could tell this meant a lot. To Coach Mason and his team.
0: Everybody thinks they want this job. Everybody thinks they want this job. But I can tell you for sure that I'm one of maybe, maybe a few men in this country that's built for this job, the way it sits today. Man, I love this team. I love Vanderbilt. I'm a Commodore through and through. But the, the, you, you, can, you can question me about decision-making, man, man, but don't question me about being a Commodore.
2: More Vanderbilt football talk. Plus, Dana O'Neill of The Athletic joins to talk about her article on Malcolm Turner and Jerry Stackhouse. That's in the second half of the show. This is the Anchor Down Podcast. You can find us on thegamenashville.com. Go to PodCenter, click on Anchor Down. You can find all of our episodes there. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts as well. Vanderbilt football, a 21-14 winner over Missouri. A little bit more on that. Then we'll talk about Malcolm Turner, Vanderbilt's athletics leadership, and maybe some football in there too. It's the Anchor Down Podcast with me, Max Herz, here on ESPN, 102.5 The Game.
1: You're listening To the
2: Anchor Down Podcast. Mo Hassan, the new man under center for Vanderbilt football, leads the Commodores to a 21-14 win over 22nd ranked Missouri on Saturday evening at Vanderbilt Stadium here in Nashville as we continue to break it down here on the Anchor Down Podcast. I'm your host, Max Herz, talking all things Vanderbilt Commodores on this Monday, October the 21st. Got a little bit of hoops and athletic administration talk coming up later on in the program with Dana O'Neill of The Athletic. If you have not read her article from last week, well, I guess now two weeks ago, a different kind of revolution is afoot at Vanderbilt. Really good up-to-date look and consensus at the Jerry Stackhouse hire and Malcolm Turner's leadership and his vision for Vanderbilt Athletics. So we'll talk about that a little bit. A little bit more to talk about on the football side, though. How about Mo Hassan? Came to Vanderbilt, a JUCO transfer, started at Syracuse, was at Vandy last year, served as Kyle Schirmer's backup because Deuce Wallace was suspended for the season. Got in in a couple of garbage time moments, and then this spring, in a crowded quarterback room, we hear that he's probably going to play some receiver, and he's not going to be a quarterback for Vandy this season because they got options there. They got Riley Neal. Gatous Wallace. And hey, guess what? Alan Walters is getting close. True freshman Jameel Muhammad is getting close. Well, Walters hasn't played. Muhammad has transferred out. And Hassan, called upon to change the flow of this Vanderbilt team, did exactly that. Here's Derek Mason after the game, talking about what Mo Hassan did over the course of the week in practice, once he had been told that he was going to be the starter, to rev up the engine and get this Vanderbilt team going and believing in itself.
0: Just a different type of energy. Mo, Mo brought a different type of energy. Like, here's what happens. And, and, and no offense against, you know, man, Riley or Deuce. It just hadn't happened. Okay, man, you, 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 you insert a guy, man, and, and dudes were like, I can remember Keyshawn Vaughn on, on Tuesday, first day of practice. Mo, Mo pulled the ball, okay, and it was the wrong read. But Mo pulled it, okay, man, and it went like nine yards, okay. And Jerry said, "Mo, listen, you got it, you got to hand it." And he was like, "No, no, no, let him run." That it, 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 it was that type of energy. Generally, a running back ain't gonna tell you, "Hey, you know, like, like let him run, like give me the rock." That, that that that's what good running backs tell you. But I mean, again, you know, like as we competed, we went through one on ones and seven on seven. You know, man, you just saw him competing. I mean, dropping dimes and just and, and just getting after dudes, talking a little trash. That that's 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 what creates, you know, chemistry. It creates energy in practice.
2: So not only was Mo Hassan good in practice this week at playing quarterback, which was the first thing that was being asked of him, he brought some swagger, which injected the life into this Vanderbilt football team that they had been missing really all season long. So What Derek Mason said there leads me in a couple different directions. He said, no offense to Riley or Deuce, but that means that everything that happened with Mo Hassan, and we knew this already without him saying that, but everything that happened with Mo Hassan, from his insertion as the starting quarterback, to every single rep he got in practice, to how well he did in the game and how the team responded to that and them winning a game that... They were far from supposed to win at the lowest point that the program has had under their current head coach. Everything that Hassan has done was in comparison to those guys. And both Neal and Wallace's failures in those areas, mostly just Neal's, because Wallace had not had too many first-team reps since the true season began, those failures made what Hassan did that much sweeter. All he had to do was provide what those first two guys did not. Energy, ability, leadership, confidence. Hassan brought them all. And that's why Vanderbilt won this game. Even after he came out. Even after he went down injured and did not return. Vanderbilt still fed off of that. And it's amazing to think about the fact that Vanderbilt's best players, of course not the quarterbacks, Keyshawn Vaughn, who is the lifeblood of this team, a vocal leader, someone who everyone on this team is following, he sets the example. Kalijah Lipscomb, top receiver on this team four years in a row, big play guy. Jared Pinkney going to be a first-round pick this year if everything falls as it should. Those guys do not have the same ability to set the tone as the quarterback does. And we said it coming into the season. They got weapons. The quarterback is the question mark. Well, that hurt them. That hurt them over the first six games of this season. And Mo Hassan corrected it and then some. Here's when and why Derek Mason knew that Mo Hassan would start this game.
0: I knew on Sunday. Coming off that game, we we needed something different. You continue to do what you've always done. You always have what you always got. Put a little pressure on Riley. But at the end of the day, I knew Mo was going to be the dude. So that's what we went with. And, you know, it worked. So, you know, kudos to Jerry. Kudos to myself. Maybe we'll share, you know, uh, an Asani water You know, <laughs> later on this evening.
2: Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Mo, Hassan, you, you expect him to be Vanderbilt's starter? 12 days from now when the Commodores are in Columbia, South Carolina to take on the Gamecocks. That is, of course, if he's cleared from concussion protocol, but it's 12 days. I imagine that Hassan will play, and Vanderbilt may need him to. It'll be an interesting second bye week for Vandy here. They can only lose one more game if they want to become bowl eligible, but we won't get too deep into that yet. But wow, does Vanderbilt football have life? Derek Mason is back in his confident tone of voice out there running around in the vest as he was meant to be doing. But he only does it when this team wins. I mean, what a what a massive turnaround week to week. Truly crazy. Malcolm Turner is looking to turn around the Vanderbilt Athletic Department. I have been very, very strongly in favor of Malcolm Turner, his hire and his vision the entire time that He has been part of Vanderbilt Athletics formally now for about eight months. Was hired almost a full year ago. Didn't start for a few months as he transitioned from the NBA to Vanderbilt Athletics. Good article in The Athletic, now about a week and a half ago, from Dana O'Neill. A new kind of revolution is afoot at Vanderbilt. Read it during the break if you have not. We will talk to Dana coming up next here on the Anchor Down podcast and give you an update on where Malcolm Turner is and his changes. And I'll give you my thoughts as well. See the Anchor Down Podcast with me, Max Hers, on ESPN 1025 The Game.
1: This is the Anchor Down Podcast.
2: Welcome back to the Anchor Down Podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. I'm your host, Max Hers, talking all things Vanderbilt Commodores on this Monday, October the 21st. Vanderbilt Football, the big win on Saturday over Missouri 21 to 14. If you missed any of the first half of the podcast, dissecting that win, Mo Hassan taking over, and what changed with the mentality of this Vanderbilt football team, you can hear our full episode online now. Catch up with what you missed on TheGameNashville.com, Click on Pod Center. Click on Anchor Down. We shift the discussion a tad now away from football towards basketball, but more on the Vanderbilt administration side. For those of you who subscribe to The Athletic, best sports site going out there, continues to grow rapidly. Check it out if you have not already. Lots of great Nashville sports coverage there, too. A different kind of revolution is afoot at Vanderbilt. It's the article from last week, actually October the 8th, by Dana O'Neill, senior writer for The Athletic covering college basketball. Dana spent a full day with Jerry Stackhouse, new Vanderbilt basketball coach, and Malcolm Turner, relatively new Vanderbilt athletic director. Lots of good information in the article, which I would encourage you all to check out if you have not already. Dana, kind enough to join us here on the Anchor Down podcast this week to get a little deeper in the article and talk about the revolution going on at Vandy right now. Dana, thanks so much for joining me here on the Anchor Down podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to do it.
2: We are heading into college basketball season, and there are probably hundreds if not thousands of articles or stories you could pursue across college basketball. What led you to this article and Vanderbilt?
1: Well, I think, you know, from afar it struck me as interesting as soon as Vanderbilt hired Malcolm Turner, and then when he in turn turned around and hired Jerry Stackhouse, you know, I remember the Gordon Gee pronouncement that athletics was getting out of, or the Vanderbilt was getting out of the business of athletics, so to speak, moving it into more student services. And I thought, wow, they've really done a 180. They're hiring a business person with a pro business background who has now in turn hired a pro coach. And that seemed completely different. So what is that all about? And, um, you know, as I was plotting some ideas and stuff with Stack being new and in town, I thought it would be a good time to go down and check things out.
2: So you got to come down here in person, spend a lot of time with both Jerry Stackhouse and Malcolm Turner. Was there anything that really surprised you or was out of the ordinary about what you saw or heard as reported in the article or that you didn't get to use?
1: I don't think anything surprised me so much. Um, You know, I think what was interesting to me was how both of them basically said the same thing, that they weren't looking for an exit ramp, they weren't looking for a job, and yet this one appealed to them. And I think Look, from afar, let's be honest, a lot of people might look at Vanderbilt and say, that's a really hard job. Why would that be appealing to an athletic director? Why would that be appealing to a basketball coach? They won zero games in the league last year. Why would you want to take that job? And I just thought that was interesting that despite what outsiders might seem as difficult and challenging, both of these guys were like, no, give me, I want to give that a go.
2: Let's talk about that a little bit further because I think you're spot on about the outsider opinion of not just the Vanderbilt job, but... Even the hire of a bit of an unorthodox candidate in Jerry Stackhouse has been a little bit unpopular, maybe more so nationally than locally. Now that you've seen it up close, how do you think this hire will work out both in the short term and the long term? And why do you think the reaction from some was so negative?
1: Well, I can start with the second part first. Look, I mean, people tend to group everyone into piles of people, right? Chris Mullen sailed at you know St. John's. Therefore, Jerry Sackhouse, another pro guy, is going to fail at Vanderbilt. that That's sort of the lazy reaction. Um, he has no college background. He's never recruited people. He doesn't know what he's in for. He's not proven as a coach. All of those things, and I'm not saying they're invalid. I mean, all of those things are true. He has not recruited. He has not coached in the college game, but he has coached, and I think um, – I think a lot of people have the same reaction to Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, and I think Patrick Ewing has proven them wrong. I mean, Georgetown is considerably better because of him. His players are better because of him. And I think when you talk to Jerry, you know, he points out where he's coming from, from coming from the G League. He's coming from a place where you have to develop players, that these are the guys that are good enough to make the NBA eventually but they're not quite good enough yet for whatever reason. And his job is to develop them as professional athletes. And at Vanderbilt, I mean, I'm not saying you can't go out and get a McDonald's All-American. You can get a Darius Garland. You can certainly get players who are good enough, but odds are you're going to get guys who need to develop over the course of two, three, four years. And Jerry's argument is that's what I do. I do that for a living, so why am I such an odd fit? And I think, you know, I think that's what I... Th- I believe, can work for Vanderbilt. I think he understands what he's getting into. He doesn't have delusions of grandeur. He's not coming in there saying, I'm going to go recruit 10 top 100 guys in two years and change the face of the way we do business. He's like, no, no, the way we do business and who we are has to be different. And I'm, I'm okay with that, and I'm good at that. And I think that's a really important place to start from.
2: With those things in mind, that maybe the success is a bit longer term, and that's the strength of your coach, what do you envision for the team this season and their potential ceiling?
1: Well, I, I do. You're talking to the players and stuff. It's interesting to talk to them, kind of reading, reading between the lines. There certainly seems to be a new energy and verve about about the whole program, and, and certainly that's the case. Look, when anybody has a new coaching come in, and after everything went so poorly last year, there was no place to go but up, right? But I do think that there is a different level of. Commitment and camaraderie among the team you know I got the sense that once Garland got hurt last year Everyone felt like well season over and they they just mailed it in I mean and I don't mean that in that they didn't have an effort, but they just decided look there is no Kind of getting this mess back so let's just move on and that's a really bad place to operate from and so I think this year Certainly. I think this is going to be a much more competitive team. I'm not saying they're going to go out and win the SEC or do anything crazy, but are they going to be a rollover? I don't think so. I think this is going to be a much more experienced and wiser team from what they went through, and I think that will translate into some wins. I'm not saying they're going to go out and beat Kentucky and Florida, but can they be competitive in those games more so than they were? Absolutely. So I do sense a new Energy, if you will, about the basketball team.
2: A couple of quotes from the piece from the players you spoke to. Aaron Niesma said that basketball is, quote, more fun this year. And Matthew Moyer said there were a lot of individual goals, a lot of individual personalities that hindered us from winning more last season. So a big step going forward. That all from Dana O'Neill's article on the athletic. A different kind of revolution is afoot at Vanderbilt. Check it out if you have not already. Dana, let's shift from basketball a little bit more to the administrative side. You got to spend time with Malcolm Turner as well. Of course, Malcolm Turner, Jerry Stackhouse have been linked more often than not, and that was the focus of the piece. And it's interesting to see these guys together who are really both authentically friends. Did you get that same impression?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's certainly a friendship there, and more importantly, a a true respect for one another. I think, you know, um, Malcolm has watched what Jerry has done from you know a very good view. I mean, he's seen it up close and personal and knows very much what Jerry has done as a coach, and I think... A lot of people might have thought he was making a big leap of faith. I don't think Malcolm Turner felt that way at all. And then on the flip side, I think Jerry certainly understands that Malcolm is a person that, you know, I can get into business with, if you will. I can trust that he's going to have my back. I can trust that his vision isn't just smoke and mirrors, that there's some legitimacy to it. And so I think definitely there is a certain level of necessary trust to do this. And, and that is hypercritical. You, you know, as a coach, you can't exist unless your athletic director has your back. And as an athletic director, you can't exist if your coaches don't you know, share your vision at all.
2: Publicly, we have kind of learned step-by-step step the way that Malcolm Turner thinks. He comes from the consulting background. He has employed Deloitte to help Vanderbilt make their plan for their master facilities and their strategic athletics plan. Last we've heard, they're going from idea-gathering, Towards ideation in the beginning stages of planning right now. What did you learn about Vanderbilt's both short-term and long-term plans under Malcolm Turner?
1: Yeah, I, I think he's he's doing this very smart. He's not going out and just spending money willy nilly and just saying let's just go build everything we can and and figure out how we're going to pay for it later and whether it's worthwhile. You know, I think right now everyone understands the football stadium is in need of a lot of work. Well, right now the. You know, the plan is not to go knock it down and start over tomorrow. This, it's got to be, you know, incremental changes. I think his his whole thing was there hasn't been a plan in place. You know, you kind of haven't had at Vanderbilt a vision for any of this, facilities-wise and, and kind of growing the entire athletic department because everything was sort of stagnated with the, the sort of where are we? Are we in or are we out? And, and Malcolm even said those exact words, are we in or are we out? And so I think he's saying, all right, we're in, but now to get in, we have to fundraise. We have to sort of change our approach. We have to change our identity. We have to be smart. You know, I think a lot of people would love to just go see, like I said, instantaneous change and boom, spend a bazillion dollars. That's That that doesn't last. That's, that's foolish. So I think what you will see is a very detailed plan um, and a way to actually see it into fruition. So I don't think you're going to see change overnight. I think it's going to take a little patience, but I think people have to trust the idea that this is the smarter, more solid way to go. You, you have to build a foundation before you can just start erecting buildings on top. They're all going to crumble otherwise.
2: On the topic of changing culture within the Vanderbilt Athletic Department, the real two new voices are Malcolm Turner at the top and Tommy Smith, who came with him from the NBA, who's yep. his number two in this whole operation. Are those two new voices enough to change a culture long term, or is there a vision to add staff, add positions, things along those lines?
1: Well, I think, you know, look, I think I'm sure there's always, a, there's always a thought to adding people to your staff and kind of, look, every athletic director wants to surround themselves with people who think the same and, and kind of share their vision and all of that. For sure, I think that you will see changes down the road in that regard. But right now, I think the most important thing is, I think Malcolm Turner wants his coaches and the staff that's there to buy into what he's selling, to say, listen, um, we can be better than this. Yes, we have high academic standards. Yes, we are different than your traditional SEC program. That doesn't mean we should just settle for, you know, using that as an excuse. So I think down the road, you'll, you might see some changes and you might see some new bodies and, and people in place that are going to sort of share that vision. But I think ultimately, his, his goal isn't to go out and, and replace people. It's to, to sort of get people to convert, if you will, to what, he's, what he believes is the right way to do things. And Look, he's got a ton of energy. He's got a ton of ideas. He's not a guy that sits in the office. And so he likes to go out and talk, in the, talk to people, go out to practices, and kind of be hands-on. So, you know, it's going to be up to every individual coach and program to say whether they're on board or not. But to me, if you're in that circumstance and you see a guy that, that's been as successful as he has been coming in with this sort of energy and direction, I think you'd be a fool not to take a flyer and give the man a chance.
2: Talking to Dano O'Neill, senior writer for The Athletic. Her piece, A Different Kind of Revolution, is afoot at Vanderbilt, is online on The Athletic. Check it out if you have not. Subscribe to The Athletic if you have not. A couple more questions on the subject of Malcolm Turner and the Vanderbilt administration. It seems like Malcolm Turner has the green light of the Vanderbilt Board of Trust, of the Chancellor's side, to go ahead, spend money, we will give you what you need. Did you get a sense that it was tough for him to get that approval that Vanderbilt had seemingly been looking for for so long?
1: No, I didn't at all. In fact, because I asked him directly, "Do you how much pushback and blowback have you gotten You know, from anybody, from, from the administration and from faculty on campus, from anybody? How much is there, you know, is there any reticence at all to do this? And he said none. Um, he feels like, you know, your, I, your chancellor and everyone is very much on board with getting things aligned and doing things properly. So, you know, I don't think he would have taken the job unless he felt confident that there was support from the top because you can't do it without that. So, no, it's actually the very opposite. He said he has felt very supported and, and very certain that people are on board with what he wants to do.
2: So do you think a simple change of athletic director was all it took to get that green light and to get more approval?
1: No, I don't think it was that simple. I think there had to be somewhere a, you know, a recognition of, okay, so we tried it this way and it didn't work very well. And, you know, we're still here, we're still in the SEC, we're still trying to figure out what we can be, what we can't be, who we can be, who we can't be. And there was, I think, a recognition that, okay, this way didn't work, we need to change directions a little bit and make a purposeful hire of a person that could share the vision that they needed to have, that, that could actually get the work done that they wanted to get done. So I think hiring Malcolm Turner was not an accident.
2: Of course, as you noted in the piece, the big first move, firing and buying out Bryce Drew and then bringing on Jerry Stackhouse. This is obviously just the big first act for Malcolm Turner. But Dana, what happens if this doesn't work?
1: Great question. I mean, look, I think, you know, then they've got to go back to a more traditional coach hire, right? You got to say, all right, we tried to kind of get the guy this way. We need to see if we can attract somebody um, that fits the more you know traditional mold, if you will. But I also think, um, as quick as the, as the plug here was on Bryce Drew, I don't think you're going to see this Jerry Sackhouse is not going to be a two-year and you're going sort of edict. I think they understand that he's got to have some time to do what he thinks he has to do, which is to recruit guys that can be developed. If you're, if you're saying you're going to be a program that's going to develop players, you got to give the coach time to develop players. So I don't think you're going to see a quick trigger here. Um, I think they're going to give him the time to try to grow this program the way he wants to grow it. But, you know, if it doesn't work, then I think you go back to the drawing board and say, all right, what, what do we do now? What, what kind of coach can we get now and open it up again and see who's interested? But I think you're not going to see that. Like I said, I don't think you're going to see that in two years, that's for sure. And
2: knowing that Malcolm Turner has publicly pledged his support to Derek Mason on the football side, do you think it's still mm-hmm. a similar long leash for him despite poor results this season?
1: I mean, I think, you know, I think all things are subject to debate on that front. I mean, I think, look, you as an athletic director, you pledge your support to everybody because otherwise, you know, you're you're asking, you're setting someone to fail. Um, I would say certainly I think Derek Mason gets some time, um, again, because he, there's been situations and issues that he's had to deal with as well. But, you know, do I think he gets as long as brand new Jerry Stackhouse? Probably not. Um, but again i do think that there is a commitment to trying to get people the infrastructure and the supports that they need recognizing that you know otherwise you're asking them to succeed and setting them up to fail so i do believe that malcolm turner understands that you got to have x to get y and they're going to give him as you know give the football program as well time to sort of get everything in place and then make a decision Dana
2: O'Neill, senior writer for the Athletic. Before I let you go, is there anything that did not make the piece from your interviewing or research that you think Vandy fans would like to know that you'd want to share?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. I don't, I don't think so. I think I pretty much un, un, un dropped out the notebook on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember? No, I mean they were they were so interesting and and so candid. I just felt like you know, uh, yeah. I I did ask Jerry Sackhouse you know, if we could start a a team with himself and you know, Penny Hardaway and Aaron McKee (laughs) and Patrick Ewing. We got all these great players, and I asked him who would be the best one of the bunch, and he said, of course he would. So I think, you know, you you got a coach who's still confident in his abilities, let's put it that way.
2: I love it. And, of course, you had the conflicting reports from the players about who is shutting down who when Stackhouse jumps in on the practice court. That's funny. (laughs) Dana O'Neill, senior writer for The Athletic. If you still have not read A Different Kind of Revolution, is afoot at Vanderbilt and subscribe to The Athletic while you're there. Dana, thank you again for doing this.
1: Anytime. Thank you for having
2: me. More on Malcolm Turner, my thoughts, plus some new information from the Vanderbilt Athletic Director that came out this past week. That's up next with me, Max Herz, on the Anchor Down Podcast, ESPN 1025 The Game.
1: The Anchor Down Podcast is on.
2: Welcome back to the Anchor Down Podcast. here on ESPN 1025 The Game. I'm your host, Max Herz. Final segment on this Monday, October the 21st edition. Here at the Anchor Down Podcast, last segment we had Dana O'Neill, senior college basketball writer from The Athletic On, to talk about her piece reported on site at Vanderbilt last week, hanging out with Malcolm Turner and Jerry Stackhouse entitled, A New Kind of Revolution is Afoot at Vanderbilt. Well, on that topic, after we discuss the big football win in the first portion of the program, if you missed any of that, we got tons of post game audio from Derek Mason and Vanderbilt players, running back Keyshawn Vaughn, cornerback Alan George, and wide receiver Cam Johnson. If you missed any of that, go to thegamenashville.com, click on Pod Center, and click on Anchor Down. That's where you can find all of our archived episodes here on the Anchor Down Podcast, which you can find online and here Monday nights from 9 to 10 here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Again, with me, your host, Max Herz. Sticking with our conversation with Dana O'Neill about Vanderbilt's athletic administration, we are drawing close to the end of month number nine for Malcolm Turner as Vanderbilt's athletic director. I have been extremely, extremely pro-Malcolm Turner from when he was first rumored to when he was hired to when he spoke to the first time to when I got the chance to meet him to everything he's done. I think Malcolm Turner is the perfect person to be Vanderbilt's athletic director. Vanderbilt, when they had the opening did not need somebody else's AD. They need a strong sports business expert who comes from outside of college athletics and is a problem solver and can tackle the very unique situation at Vanderbilt. That's what I've believed since the job came open. The first person I recommended for the job was Derek Schiller, who's a Vanderbilt graduate, who is the chief business officer for the Atlanta Braves. Very similar candidate to Malcolm Turner, who ended up emerging as a dark horse as picked by the Corn Ferry search firm. Well, speaking of search firms and consulting, no, I'm not making a list of where current Vanderbilt graduates are going to work. I'm making a list of these outside sources that first helped Vanderbilt fill their open athletic director position and are now helping Vanderbilt's new athletic director decide where and how to proceed tackling some of the deficiencies that exist presently in Vanderbilt athletics. Malcolm Turner, who has a consulting background himself, Brought in Deloitte Consulting to take a full survey of where Vanderbilt stands, where their opponents stand, where the opportunities are, where the weaknesses are. We've heard it a few times from Malcolm Turner in different forums. Well, we have more info about how that is going. Malcolm Turner was on Nashville Sports Radio last Tuesday, October the 15th, when he gave an update on Vanderbilt's progress with Deloitte as they move towards what he has dubbed the university's new athletic strategic plan. Here's Malcolm Turner on Nashville Sports Radio last Tuesday.
3: We have a half day meeting tomorrow where we'll start to take a look at some initial options. Our partner has really been in a diligence phase, kind of understanding our footprint, understanding usage and utilization and benchmarking our current facilities, you know, with other peer institutions. And we're now converting what's been a diligence phase to now, you know, an ideation kind of what if phase. And so it's hard to answer the priority not, not the priority the order and sequencing uh, until we have more definitive options and we're not that far off from it.
2: So Malcolm Turner and the firm he's brought on Deloitte Consulting are in his words moving from diligence to ideation and this was last week. So I imagine we'll get an update from Malcolm Turner on that at some point point. and the thing that makes me think that we'll get an update soon and that there will be more updates throughout this whole process is this
3: I don't think we've been transparent enough and public about what our options are and what our plans are, and of course, as you well know, in absence of that, then everyone fills in their own narrative and some of it may be true, some of it not. But that's what I think has been missing. And so regardless of where we net out, it's you know, I've took the view that we I, I think this market and I and this base deserves an answer. They deserve to be acknowledged and listened to.
2: So Malcolm Turner At the quarter poll of his first year as Vanderbilt's athletic director, maybe there we're hearing him admit his first mistake. Yeah, there haven't been any big plans yet. There have been some renovations, some of which have been public, some of which have not been public, but money has been spent, the most public of which is the smaller renovations to the football stadium and the new turf surface at the baseball field, which Tim Corbin has come out and said, we weren't about to go do this. Yet Tim Corbin got to pick the turf himself, But Malcolm Turner approached me and said, what do you need? Well, the turf's getting old. We've had it since 2013. Go. Go find the best turf on the market and we'll get it. Well, they did that. Tim Corbin went out into different parts of the country, saw different types of turf, picked the one he wanted. Guess what? It was down before the start of Fall Ball 2019. So sure, there have been very tangible assets both visible like the turf and others that haven't been visible that have gone into place under Malcolm Turner and money has been spent and progress has been made. But we've heard about the athletic strategic plan. We've heard about the facilities plan, which presumably goes along with it in some way, shape, or form, unless it just totally comes later, which it may. And my point in all of this is twofold. Malcolm Turner, again with the consulting background, very smart, measured businessman who wants to get all the facts. He's had his listening tour that we've heard so much about. He's gotten perspective on Vanderbilt athletics from all angles. These things are going to take time. And I want to defend him from anyone who maybe he's addressing in that last clip that I just played is rushing to judgment because there hasn't been a big plan or a big fix yet. That's not going to happen in year one. That's going to happen longer term. And maybe we'll start seeing plans for it soon. But perhaps the regret from Malcolm Turner is, I've said there's going to be a plan. I've said there's going to be progress. But as we make the first baby steps toward that, I have not been public enough with the Vanderbilt fan base. And I think that's important. Because obviously the praises have been sung from Malcolm Turner. And I I know there are some, at least in the beginning, I, I guess there still are people who didn't like the hire. I would welcome anyone who doesn't to tweet at me, email me at talks, rpmaxhers at gmail.com is my email. It's on my Twitter page. It's on my personal website. I would love to talk to you about it because I think Malcolm Turner is the perfect person for the job, and I look forward to hearing more from him in the future. Don't rush anything. Things are going to get fixed. This is an individual who in the future, not so distant future, is a candidate to become the commissioner of a Big Four sports league. He's the athletic director at Vanderbilt. I think things are going to be okay. Fandy football a big winner this weekend. Bye week next week, two Saturdays from now, November the 2nd at South Carolina, 6.30 Central Time Kick, 7.30 local in Columbia on the SEC Network. Just found that timeout earlier today. TheGameNashville.com is where you can find all of our archived episodes. Click on Pod Center and click on Anchor Down. While you're there, we go Monday nights 9 to 10. You're on 102.5 The Game. You've been anchoring down and listening up with me, Max hers It's the Anchor Down Podcast on ESPN, 1025 The Game.